0818 715 815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline. Five one double five one is our uh, text number. Well, as you all know, October the seventh, uh, two thousand and twenty-three will go down in history, and its aftermath even more so for the horror that's been unleashed uh, on the world. Uh, Martin Roper, Martin, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mr. Duffy, sir. How are you, Joe? Yeah. Joe, yeah. Martin, you contacted us um, uh, to to talk about the. The personal effect uh, which that this uh, war is, is having on you. And first of all, a bit of your background, please, Martin, your mother's story and indeed your own story in, in America. Um, well, I grew up in the inner city in Dublin uh, in a very, uh, very poor yeah. home. And... But I was very lucky. I, I probably shouldn't talk about I haven't been able to get a hold of my mother. But as a result of the Dublin and Monaghan bombings, we had a very traumatic experience in, yeah. in the Dublin bombings. Uh, the, the biggest bombing in our country. Yeah, May the 17th, May the 17th 1974. Yes, it was yeah. 50 years ago. And I, I've written about it and read extensively on it and read the Barron Report. And it was probably handled prudently by our country at the time, but it was a horrific, horrific experience that we never fully addressed. Anyway, uh, I grew up in... Just, Martin, were you alive in in the Dublin bombings, as I was? Do you remember that? I I remember it vividly because I was about a mile, where we lived was about a mile from Talbot Street and Purnell Street. And yes, I remember the bombs going off. Yes. Um, What I wanted to say, what finally moved me. I've never phoned anyone, any station in my life, but what my wife and I lie in bed every night and she's, I wake up in the middle of the night, my wife is crying Mm. for what's happening in Palestine. Mm. And when I, I, I was lucky enough to get a Fulbright scholarship to study in the United States. And I studied in the best writing university in the United States. And I ended up working for them for 20 years. And so I was, exposed to some of the greatest minds who were teaching in those universities mm-hmm. and worked with them for many years. One of the men I worked with, Jim McPherson, was the first black man to win, win a Pulitzer. And he said, you know, writers are the first legislators. I took a class with him and the writer Marilyn Robinson, and they did a, a class on the Bible. And they said, writers are the first legislators because, and I didn't really believe it, but they said, we are the ones who tell the story. We are the ones who are tell the truth. Mm-hmm. In my life, I was lucky enough years ago, I lived in New York. I, I moved to New York on September 10, 2001 to live. My first morning in New York was September 11, 2001. Yeah. My father got through to me within a couple of days and said, please come home. And I said, I can't come home. This Manhattan is, is locked down Yeah. in the way Gaza is locked down right now. And I'll never forget that experience of the smell of burning and people dying. Mm-hmm in Manhattan. But I went on to become a Fulbright ambassador for Fulbright, which was started as a result of the Second World War. Yeah, yeah. So that there would be understanding among nations. And I'm at a point in my life, and this is why I'm, I'm ringing, is that I, I screen Fulbright applications and I'm thinking, what am I doing? Mm. 
am I doing the right thing? Because we have, we have one person in the world right now who could really influence saying stop, just stop for a moment. And that is President Biden, who we have welcomed to our country. Mm. And that man can't find it in himself to say clearly, and, and I know we live in a very complicated world, I know about geopolitics, to say, let us have a ceasefire. And he has tremendous influence. And I know it's complicated. I lived for, in America for 25 years. Mm. And I've gone from being growing up very poor to being an affl- a very fortunate and affluent human being today. And so I am very well read. I have truly, this sounds corny, it's like saying I have the one black friend. I have many Jewish friends. I worked at NYU in Manhattan for eight years. Most of my friends are Jewish. Mm. None of them, none of them agree with this war. I I read, I I think about, the reason why I phoned you is I spoke to my mother, who's 83 years old, and she says, I don't understand it. And so what's going on? So my mother, who's 83, grew up in the inner city in poverty, is reading Jewish scholars, Gaber Mate, Norman Finkenstein, Gideon Levi, Amir Ahas, to understand what's going on in Israel and Palestine. And when I cry and I pray every night, I pray first for the people of Israel. Mm. I, I pray second for the people who are kept hostage in Gaza. And then I pray for the Palestinians. It is right and true that, that Israel is a state, is a country, is internationally protected, and has a voice. That's as it should be. Those people deserve to live in peace, as all the people on our island deserve to live in peace. Mm-hmm. The people of Palestine are stateless and voiceless. And between where you're sitting right now and, say, Sutton or Hout is about 10 miles, the people of Palestine right now are living in a space that's probably my mother and I, who had a very traumatic experience in the bombing in 1974, went to the Phoenix Park in 1979. There were a million people there. I I was a a teenager and I went to see a million people. That was really what was on my mind. The paper visit. Yes. So anyone who remembers that time, they're looking for that's a million people in the Phoenix Park. Double it to two million and make that space four or five times bigger. Have those people, imagine that we're in that space and we've no food, no water, Mm. no medical attention, and that bombs are raining down on us. That's what's happening. And the European Union, of which we are a member, is saying, that's okay and there will be no ceasefire. The United States government, I have nothing against the people of Israel, the people of the European Union, but the United States government and the European Union are saying it's okay. No, not even a ceasefire. And imagine two million people in the Phoenix Park being bombed 24 hours a day. The Israeli people, the Jewish people, are a traumatized people. The Jewish people have, have been for thousands of years persecuted. We all know that. We all, my father told me the horror of the Second World War. My father saw a Schmidt plane flying over Dublin with smoke billowing and a spitfire following it, and it crashed in Galway. And he told me about the horror of, the, of that war and what happened. He made me watch and read books about the horror of the Holocaust. And it's happening again right now. Both sides are victims. And what you, sir, can do with me 
is be a voice in, of reason and say to the people of Ireland, please, please let this stop. Our government, our Taoiseach is doing the best he can, our Taunister, our president. I understand diplomacy and understand the need to mm-hmm. keep doors open. But I'm very glad my mother said to me, I don't know, she listens to your show and she said, I don't hear anything. I, I don't hear, and I said, mm-hmm. well, it's a very difficult and horrific experience right now. We are watching every night, my wife and I watch yeah. a genocide being streamlined live on television. It's being streamlined live on television. We're sitting there drinking our tea, watching people, watching a genocide and watching people being murdered. And I repeat, both sides are victims. Jewish people have gone through untold horrors. But literally, our dog sleeps on the floor beside us in our bedroom and he wakes us in the middle of the night and I turn and my wife is crying. She is silently crying because we're thinking in the darkness, people are dying, they're rotting in the ground. And we're not doing anything. I say we, I mean humanity. It's not okay. It's not okay to say, it's, you know, let's look for a pause. That's insane. That what's happening is insane. And so I'm saying to you, because the only reason I'm phoning is because my mother loves the show and said nothing is happening. And I thought, what can I do? And I said, well, doing nothing is not an option. Because being neutral, and I realize RTE and TV stations have to be as neutral as possible, but being neutral, Bishop Tutu said it, being neutral is being on the side of the oppressor. When the elephant is on the tail of the mouse, the mouse doesn't thank you for saying, I'm neutral in this. We cannot, I respect your position and RTE, we as a people cannot be neutral. Mm -hmm. The European Union cannot be neutral. It has to stop. Read any Jewish scholar of note. Talk to any. I would love those people to be on your show. Any of the people I've mentioned, I can give you a dozen Jewish Israeli scholars who are saying this has to stop because as long as there's an occupation and people are locked in and are controlled by another state, there's never going to be peace. We know that. And people are frightened of saying that. My friends in New York are saying, you know what? It's tantamount to saying, if you criticize Israel, if you criticize Israel, it's tantamount to being anti-Semitic. One of my closest friends, who is not Jewish in New York, isn't speaking to me because of an email I wrote to her pleading for peace and explaining the history from 1947 and 1948, what, what went on then, 1967. She's not even Jewish, and she thinks I'm anti-Semitic, a good friend of 20 years. So I'm asking you, what can you and I, what can we do? Can we go, you and I, on a peace march? I would love to do that, a peace march, I say. Let us have the Jewish people, let us have Palestinians. A couple of weeks ago, my wife drove to Dublin to go on a peace march, and a former minister called her and the people on the peace march a member of the Third Reich. I don't think she is. Nor am I. But I would love to walk, and I mean it literally from the bottom of my heart, I'd love to go on a peace march with that former minister, hand in hand, because I don't think he really means it. 
Thank you for listening to me. And Martin, yeah, and thank you for, for you can hear the, the, I think it's the frustration and the pain. Uh, again, it's a grain of sand compared to what the people are going through in Israel and Gaza and have been for a long time. It's just but a grain of sand what we're suffering there in the Sahara Desert, not not uh, actually, but in, in comparison to the, the, the suffering and the pain and the prospect. Um, I know you mentioned Joe Biden could stop it. Um Yes. But, like, for example, Hillary Clinton, I don't know whether you heard her, and she was asked, who's another heroine in this country, and she got she got honorary doctorates left, right, and centre uh, from various universities as recently as six months ago. And she said uh, over the weekend when she was asked about a ceasefire, and she said absolutely not, because Hamas will use it to rearm. Um. So do you want to? Do you, yes, do you want please. To yes, to, if to, yeah, if you wish, or a reflection. You don't have the reflection but, on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who, who was a secretary of state, I believe, while I was yeah. living in the United States, and is maybe a hero uh, to many people, but not 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 necessarily to me. Okay. Um, I think it was. Correct me if I'm wrong. In 2006, there was an election in Palestine, mm-hmm. and who won that election? Hamas was it. Right, yeah. Hamas won it. It was a democratic election. And the reason they won it and the Palestine Authority didn't win it is that the Palestine Authority were selling cement to Israel. So the Palestine Authority doesn't have to build walls and so on. It doesn't have a lot of respect. So the people who were extremely desperate voted for Hamas. No no one approves Mm -hmm. of terrorism. No one on this island has approved of terrorism. But tell me something. Would it, would it, Secretary of State Clinton, would it be so terrible if there was a ceasefire so that food and water and fuel and medication went into that country to help the people? Would it be so terrible? And that if Hamas had the opportunity to rearm themselves, as it were, from what? Look at the, I've mentioned that, the elephant and the mouse. Mm. Look, look at what, and, and I am not a supporter of any organization. I'm not a member of any organization. Look at Hamas, how they, what they used to attack the horrific attack on October 7th. Mm. Look at the horrific attack. But look what they used. They had, uh, when I came in, I turned on the television and I didn't realize what was happening. I thought there were yeah, yeah. bicycles in the sky with kites or something. And I thought it was part of a festival. I didn't realize what it was. The United States, Ms. Ms. Clinton's, and I I want to emphasize, I have enormous respect and love for the United States. I got the education I got, thanks Fulbright and thanks to the United States. So I'm not critical of the United States people. But Ms. Clinton, I I tell you, I'm losing my train of thought at at the minute. I'm so... Upset what's your, what, what's your, what, what, no, just what, your, your train of thought was. Just this, just this, yeah. this, just this. There is, answer this, this is a rhetorical question because we all know the answer to it. The United States has pumped in over $200 billion since 1948 mm-hmm. to, to, to Israel. $4 billion a year. Why, this is a rhetorical question, why is that? It hasn't pumped in $4 billion in aid to any other country that I know of. Well, you lived in the States. Can you help people in Ireland explain the the support, the untrammeled support, it seems, among certain... For United well, States well, the, governments? No, from the Democrats, both Democrats and Republicans. 
uh, they outstrip each other in their support of Israel through thick and thin, don't well, they? Since yes, yeah, since I first I lived in 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 the states from ninety four to ninety eight as a student, and I went back in two thousand and one, as I said, September tenth, two thousand one, and I never missed a State of the Union address. And my American friends used to think it was hysterical that I was so interested, but I I followed American politics, mm-hmm. and I came to the conclusion, putting aside gun control and abortion, which are used as flashpoints in the in the United States for votes. There is no significant difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. And I, I'm not sure if any president, and I think President Obama a couple of days ago referred to it, alluded to it. I don't know if any American president really has that much authority or power. They certainly, they couldn't, Mayor Bloomberger in New York couldn't, made no inroads on gun control, one of the most powerful, mm. richest men in, in America did nothing, could do nothing for gun control. So I don't think the president has a lot of, of power, but I think, I, I don't really want to speak beyond my skill level, to be honest, but I, I think there's probably, you might know more than I do in this. I doubt there's it. A I lot of, there's, there's a lot of oil in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, okay. And I think, I, I think that's yep. an influence. There's a lot of wealth in the, in, in the Middle East, and there's a lot of... So I, I think that plays a role. I think actually Israel... And I'm not joking, I'm not talking hyperbolically. I think Israel and the Jewish people in Israel are being used as a puppet. Mm. And I think certainly Hamas is, because Hamas is, I was listening to it on the, the news last night, Hamas is an asset to the IDF and to Israel. It's an asset, because they can use it mm. to destroy Gaza. And, and move the Palestinians out of the West Bank and out of Gaza. These people are stateless and voiceless. This is the only reason I'm ringing you, is these people are stateless and voiceless. And a lot of them, we, unfortunately, Martin, are now lifeless. Yes. Because of, and we, um, over the years. Yeah. We, we the, the, and if, if you were born in 19, from 1948 on, anyone who's born in Palestine. So that's pretty much everyone, because beyond 70, they're probably dead. Anyone mm. who's born there has been born into an open prison. Because what is the definition of a prison? You're not allowed to leave. You're not allowed to come and go, right? So that's the definition of a prison. All these Jewish scholars have referred to it as a as textbook case of genocide. Mm-hmm. That's not me. These are Jewish scholars, experts in the field, saying what we're experiencing. And whenever the language goes to zoological, calling the other the animal, as we were called gorillas in, in America and so on, when it goes to that, that's, that's when you know a people, when they're dehumanized that way, they're not being treated as human. They are going to be destroyed. And these people are going to be destroyed. And we... But it doesn't kill it. It never. It didn't eradicate it with the IRA. It never eradicates it. It never gets rid of it. So, what I'm saying to you is, I would like, and I mean it genuinely, as I talk to you mm-hmm. on the phone right now. Let us do something, even if it's as simple as what Jim McPherson said. Black people did, and you have the million man march, the million person march. But let our let our voice as a nation be heard. Not that we are anti-Semitic. We're for the Jewish people. And we're for the Palestinian people. We're, I'm not pro any of them. I'm pro peace and I'm pro truth. 
We're not getting a lot of it. Talked about Alan. Uh, mm-hmm. let, let me say, say with us, Martin. Um, by the way, you're, well, I think your train of thought at one stage, you, you were going to say when I said Hillary Clinton said no ceasefire, Joe Biden said no ceasefire, because uh, Hamas will use it to rearm. Um, and uh, you, were, you were about to say they, rearming for Hamas means on that horrific, horrific genocidal day on October 7th as well. Uh, Hamas arrived on paragliders, and that's your that's your point. Hardly, yes. They're hardly yes. flying F 16s but it's still that's horrific. And regarded as a terrorist group, and then to, to kill, massacre, massacre, fourteen hundred people and kidnap, kidnap, uh, uh, take hostages is just. Um, uh, anyway, there's no point in me me going one way or the other because it's it's only my words. Stay with us, Martin. Oh eight one eight seven one five eight one five. Joe at RT. That ie five one double five one is the text number. And if you want to leave a WhatsApp message, it's oh eight seven one eight four three seven zero nine. Carla, good afternoon. You're listening uh, to Martin. Your reflections, please. Yes. Um, well, well, I don't really want to. Have you know take a stand in it? But yeah, okay. what I have been her- hearing from my sister in Holland. Um, in Holland, the young people have taken templates from the internet of uh, peace. There's, there's an echo here, so it's hard to, to talk actually. Oh, yeah. But um, uh, the, they they have made templates from uh, peace doves uh, on the mm-hmm. internet and uh, cut them out, white paper things, and and they have been starting to hang them in windows all over the different cities. And I think that's a great peace initiative, you know. So that's all I really wanted to say. That the, the, the caller before there before me. Uh, he was talking about a peace march or what could we do. But that's that's a thing we could do. We could all make these peace doves, you know, cut them out, hang them in your window and just show solidarity for peace, you know, for, for both sides. Mm. But uh, stay there, Carla. Um, Martin, I know you, you made a, the reference to the, the the Nazi analogy being made by a... You say a pro-Israeli, but like at the, at the demonstration last week, which was pro-Palestinian, the Israelis were called Nazis from the platform by a TD. Does that yes. help? Doesn't I think your point is that doesn't help. Well, I think language of hate does does not help. No, language of hate does not does not help. But wrong is wrong even if everyone is doing it, and right is right, even if no one is doing it. And you can ask a child, what is right here and what is wrong? And Hillary Clinton is very far away from Gaza, Mm -hmm. as I am. And it's it's truly, truly shocking. I, I despair as someone who spent 25 years, my most of my adult life in the United States, a place I love dearly. Yeah. And that I truly, for the first time in my life, after September 11, and my father wanted to come home, I wouldn't because I was standing proud with America who said, you know, uh, n- never forget, yeah. never forget, always remember, <laughs> just like uh, never again after the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm not kidding. I am ashamed. I'm ashamed, and, and I think that my American taxes for 25 years, and I never was conscious enough or aware enough to realize where my American tax money was going, 
was going to. I, I spent over the past year or two, I, I work with some people in Washington, D.C., just individuals, they're not yeah. an organization, trying to get uh, Afghan girls and teenager girls uh, out of Afghanistan. Yeah. And to me, that's, it's, it'll sound a little trite or corny saying this. We managed to get one teenage girl out through Pakistan to the United States where she's in university uh, because she was going to be pushed into an arranged forced marriage. And so it's a, I've never talked to any, anyone about that. My family don't even know that, that I've done that for my bit for Afghanistan. But the reason I did it was because I thought, oh, my Lord, my money, my American taxes went to kill people. It doesn't matter where. Afghanistan, Iraq, wherever. And I thought, I don't want to be part of that. And I don't want to be part of this. Yeah. And I, I, as I say, I always appreciate that our government needs the diplomatic door open. But we really do need to shame on us. We are all, whether we like it or not, when you get to be an adult, you don't get to be neutral and you, do, you don't get to be innocent. That's why I've lost my good friend in New York. I said, you don't get to be innocent. Mm-hmm. When you are watching, at least they're not really watching that much of it in the United States. They're not getting the same kind of coverage. But when you're watching if a genocide streaming in front of you live, and you're doing nothing. And so I'm saying to you and the people of Ireland, Please let us do something. It even sounds tried a million dollar, a million march or whatever, but it might do something that if we offer peace and goodwill to all of the people in Palestine and all of the people in Israel, that we offer peace to them and tell them to, and and tell Ms. Clinton, please stop for, for, for once, make the right decision. She's made many mistakes in her life. And I'm going, to, I'm going to remain civil on the line, but she's made many mistakes. For once, yeah, herself okay. and Mr. Biden could make the correct decision. But on the so one, you know but, but Martin, you said a few minutes ago they don't have the power. And well, now I, I know you you'll say that. I, I, I tell you what, one power, one power is is the wallet. If they're giving mm, four but billion, con- yeah, but and it's con- it's Congress, Congress has to support that allocation, and they do without equivocation between the Republicans and the Democrats or ad idem in their support of, of Israel. But say with us, Martin, um, and you reminded me, Martin, of what Einstein said. I, I, I know not with what weapons World War Three will be fought, but World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. That's what the world will be reduced to. Jerry O'Keefe, Jerry... And this, you, 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 you write about it. I'm asking, I'm asking also now that I see it. Have other people written about what's happening? I know people feel absolutely powerless. You heard the pain in Martin's voice. I did um, indeed, yeah. And, you, and if, any, if other people have written joe at rt.ie uh, 51551 or um, 0818715815 maybe as a way of trying to reflect on it. Um, Jerry, you, you, what, you write a poem every day. Nearly every day, Joe, I wrote, write a poem about something or other, you know. Okay. And on the way in on the bus this morning, I was just contemplating what I seen on television last night, and I just wrote this one. Mm. So if you want, I can read it out for you. Yeah, of course I've I do. It. Yeah. Okay, I've called it slaughter. Has World War Three already started? Thousands die each day. Bombs and bullets shatter limbs. Is the innocent they slay. 
Generals and politicians never pay the cost. As the soldiers are sent to war, human products for others greed, not knowing what they are dying for. End the slaughter, let the young grow old, that's the way it's meant to be. The world would be a better place if you could make those warlords see. Just a little thing, as I said on the bus this morning. Okay, and again, it's you're, you're articulating that that powerlessness, the soldiers that are sent in, they're conscripted in Israel, as we know. Um, exactly, yeah. Uh, but a lot of them came back from other countries after October the 7th and voluntarily, they were reserve, obviously, voluntarily uh, signed up again. Uh, human father, oh my God, we're witnessing that at the minute. We're witnessing that at the minute. Every day, every, every day. day. And unfortunately, yeah. it seems to be young children that will never, never have a chance to grow, you know, to live their lives. You know, it's yeah. terrible. You know, it's really and when you what, is is that that's your way of trying to it's like Martin at that emotions out. Yeah, Martin had that incredible image there of his wife mm-hmm. crying in the middle of the night, and he's not far behind her. I suspect from his from no, his no. his tone yeah. and his empathy today, just crying yeah. at the horror of it all. And you, like we thought all this was finished with World War Two, but it looks like mankind isn't yeah. really learning from its mistakes. Well, I, I, I read out that Einstein quote, I know not yeah, yeah. with what weapons World War Three will be fought, but World War Four will be fought with sticks and stones. That could be nothing left, Joe. Yeah. Jerry, good evening, my God. Uh, Listen, Jerry, thanks, thanks, much, thanks, okay. for that, thanks for that reflection. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Oh, Charlotte Cahill, this is uh, what it happened at the weekend, and you were in one. Uh, I've, we've all seen them. These were are they rented vans, go vans, they're called, and go cars. Uh, what, what, what happened, Charlotte? So basically, um, I um, during the summer uh, this year, I set up a small um, group of families that would meet up um, and organise day trips for children with additional needs. Um, okay. And during the uh, midterm school breaks, we decided that we would run camps. Um, and we had rented out one of the go-car uh, vans um, to transport the, the equipment and our van was broken into in the little complex in Ballycullen in Tallaght, Dublin. The, Lid, the Lidl complex in Ballycullen. In, where is that? Yeah. What part of Dublin is that? It's in Tallaght in Dublin so, 24. Okay. okay, and what was taken? So the equipment that was taken was an AAC device, which is an alternative augmentation device. Okay. It's a communication device that my daughter uses to communicate. My daughter is four years old. She's autistic and she's nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Um, so she uses this device to communicate with me her needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, to be able to have a voice. Um, the other pieces of equipment that was stolen was um, sensory products. Like uh, we had like a bubble tube. We had um, a sensory projector. We also had one of the children's uh, walkers in the in the van as well, and um, this walker is used to help the child participate in the okay. activities that we run. So you're basically you're basically looking. How much is that equipment worth, Charlotte? All in all, we're talking about eight thousand to ten thousand. Oh my god! Yeah, really, really expensive. And was that fund? There was that fundraising on the part of this voluntary group. 
So basically, the um, each item, um, like some of the stuff belonged to my daughter, some of the stuff belonged to some of the parents that come to the group. Um, like my own device, um, I have fought with the HSE for nearly six months now to actually get that piece of equipment um, because it's extremely hard to get anything from the HSE at the moment um, with backlogs and all that kind of stuff. Okay. The, the child's walker that was um, also taken, that was uh, bought through funding, money from, okay. uh, you know, to replace. And have, what, what did the car, any CCTV, I know there's tracking on those vans big and those go-cars because the, you have to know where they are if you want to want to try and rent them. But yeah, uh, no, the, the van, the, the van, van wasn't, wasn't, I know wasn't, that, I know yeah. that, I know that. Is there anything... Uh, like, who else could use that equipment? What's the value of it to those to the thieves? Yeah, you see, that's the thing. It's it's not a value to anybody, you know, um, unless you have a child with additional needs. Um, you know, it's really of no value to anybody. Um, that kind of equipment is specifically designed for our children. Mm-hmm. And did you look? I I half think when. Youngflas break into because invariably young. When they break into cars um, and uh, they get stuff, if it's of no monetary value to them or use to them, they'll they'll scatter them as soon as possible into the bushes or into rubbish bins or whatever. Did anyone do a search of the area? Well, uh, yes, myself and a couple of other people have been looking around the local areas to see if anything, you know, has been thrown in bushes or anything like that. But we haven't been able to uh, find anything. There was um, one of the iPads. There was three iPads in total in the oh, van. That, that you, won't get, the you, won't, you won't get them back. Yeah, one of the That's iPads had a tracker on it and it was handed into the Tesco's in um, Ballycullen and it was smashed, just totally smashed to pieces. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, what about insurance? Uh, the 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 insurance that I have was just comp- um, third party. It wasn't fire and theft or anything like that. It was just it would just cover the damages. Okay. And you've been to the guardie, and unfortunately, nothing. Yeah, I've been to the guards, and um, what they've told me is that the CCTV is around five feet from where the van was mm-hmm. parked. Mm-hmm. You weren't to know. You weren't to know. Yeah. Okay, it's an awful uh, scenario uh, in for for your group especially. It's the the effect on it. Can you keep going, Charlotte? I know you're you're doing your best. It's a volunteer group. You try and keep it not for profit. Uh, yeah, you do keep it not for profit and cheap as cheap as possible for people to participate. Can you keep going? To be honest with you, um, I don't know um, at this present moment um, because a lot of the equipment that was stolen um, is used to run these camps um, so to try to replace those you know it's this this time of year people don't have money yeah, the yeah, families yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. money to you know I don't have money myself as I said my own daughter is additional needs and I pay privately for all her therapies so I, I, I at the moment I just don't know what's okay. next like Okay, Charlotte, that's Charlotte Cahill. Thanks indeed. Joe with RT.ie 51551 is the text number. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. The National Bravery Awards are on this uh, Friday in Dublin Castle. It's a major 
a major uh, award and I know uh, from two Lifeline stories in the last year, uh, tragic stories, uh, one with a very good outcome and the other one unfortunately not. Uh, both of them were nominated for a National Bravery Award, so we'll uh, wait and see and we'll talk to the families uh, later on in the week if that's if that's the way things go. But there's also the National Ambulance uh, Service Bravery Award and one of the winners uh, is uh, Ben Holland. And Ben uh, is only five, by the way, five. And uh, it's for what he did when his mother, uh, Jenny, who's on the line, uh, had uh, became unwell. Jenny, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Good, thanks. So, what happened? Um, so I was sitting at home with Ben. We were watching movies because I wasn't feeling well that day. Okay. And when I got up to get ready to go to bed, I lost consciousness. Okay. So Ben couldn't wake me up, and he called an ambulance for me. And okay, it, it, it was this a common? Like you said, you got up to go to bed, you lost consciousness. What happened? Why? So I suffer from POTS, it's posterior orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. Okay. So when I change my position, um, the blood can't circulate around ah. my blood, around my body properly. So when you um, change so position, you're meant to do it extraordinarily slowly and gently. Yes. So if you change your position, which I know you try not to do, abruptly mm-hmm. or uh, quickly, this is what happens, you faint. I faint, yeah. Wow. So I also suffer with low blood pressure. So that combined with yeah, the hot, yeah, gravity yeah. is my worst enemy. Gravity. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you felt dizzy and fainted. So uh, you fainted. So uh, now that you know, what did your five-year-old, your five-year-old Ben do? He called the ambulance and he told them that mommy fainted, but she won't wake how up. How did he? How did he ring the ambulance? He used my iPhone and he held down the two side buttons and made an emergency SOS call. Good man, good man. How, when, when did he learn that? I know most kids know the the iPhone and the the the, the movement they make on the iPhone, the pulling the screen and touching the screen. But how did he not? He held down the two buttons, mm-hmm. um, and that automatically called. Had, you, had someone taught him that? We showed him back in June. I ended up in recess um, okay. because my heart rate went so high due to my POTS. Um, so we showed him how to call, but with the hope that he would never have to. Yeah. So he did it then in September. Okay, so, we, so, so he gets to do buttons and then who answers the emergency call centre and what does he say? He asked for an ambulance. He said he needed an ambulance. For his mummy. And what did they say? Um, they asked if he was alone with me in the house. Yeah. Um, he said it was just the two of us. And they asked him where his daddy was. And he said that da- daddy was working. Okay. So they asked him if he knew daddy's phone number that they could that he could call him or they could call him. Um, but he said that he didn't know it. But okay. he told them his workplace and said, if you ask for Joe, you'll get my daddy. Brilliant. Brilliant. So they asked him if um, if this happened before and yeah. I told him that I always faint, but this was different because I wasn't waking up. And they asked him, um, could he open the front door to let emergency services into the house? Yeah. And he said that he could open the door. So they asked him to go to a neighbor's house and say that mommy needed help. But Brilliant. he told them that he wasn't allowed outside in the dark because he's only a small child. Good boy. So 
so they told him to stay with mommy and, and that did, he was doing great. And did he know his address, Jenny? He did, the full address, and he even gave them some directions and described that our front door was black because we don't have a number on our front door. And how did he know the address so well, so easily? He said, remember, the child is, is sitting there, there's five years standing there, there's five-year-old child is standing there, his mummy is, is, has collapsed. She won't wake up scared. as she normally does. He must have been scared out of his living life, the, the pet. And he, he, he could give his own address. He could. So um, his dad is originally from Liverpool. Okay. And up until recently, if you asked Ben where he was from, he would say Liverpool as well. Okay. So <laughs> it was actually my mum that had drilled the address into his head. Um, but he knew how to describe the, the house because of me ordering Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. So he, he gave them the full address and he yeah. told them, he, he actually told them that I had pots and low blood pressure as well. Oh, um, he, and he said, my mammy has pots and low blood pressure. Yeah, because they asked, um, does he know why I faint all the time? Yeah. So he said... Uh, now you're uh, still... Uh, uh, what, what time, we're talking 10 minutes at this stage. Are we, Jenny, as far as you Roughly know? Roughly 10 minutes, yeah. So I started to come around and the time on the phone was saying nine minutes. But he said that he tried to wake me up before he called. So yeah. he knows that he's got to elevate my legs. Good lad. And he was trying to do that, but he couldn't do it. God love him. He was trying of his own initiative to elevate your legs to try and get the blood flow back. Yeah, but because of the way I stood up from the couch, I fell forward yeah. and he wasn't able uh, to turn me to lift my legs up. God, you weren't at all helpful to him, were you, Jenny? <laughs> <laughs> no. You weren't helpful to this little Superman you have living in the house. No. This little Iron Man, the Superman. He's great. He's, he's always looking out for me. Wow. And tell us about the award. Who nominated him or who nominated the family? Or um, I got a phone call about a week after the event had happened Great. Um, from the NAS saying that they thought Ben was really good at what he'd done and, and they wanted to um, for him to get the recognition. Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. That someone spotted. Where's Ben now? Is he in school? What, what, he's probably in university, he's isn't he? He's beside me. He's, 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 <laughs> is he not in university? <laughs> no, not yet. Our super, our super, does he want to say hello to Joe? Do you want to yeah. say hello? Child mm-hmm. hasn't a clue. Hello. Ben. Hello. Hiya, Ben. Ben, who's, who's your favourite superhero? Joe Duffy. <laughs> 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 oh Ben oh, that's Ben well, it's, it's great that um, so much has come from this because um, a lot of the parents of the, the children in Ben's school have said that they've been teaching their children Brilliant. how to call emergency services yeah, yeah and write your air code on the write it somewhere on write the hall door or, and keep saying yeah. At their level, at their eye level on the fridge and the Y and the W, whatever you have. Is Ben gone? Where's he gone? He is. Ben, come here. <laughs> He's still here. <laughs> He's just excited. <laughs> ben, Ben, if you can hear me. Congratulations, Ben. Well Thank done. You. What's your, what's your favourite food? Pizza. Pizza. 
Well, we're going to try and get some pizza delivered to Ben. And what's your favourite type of pizza? Salami, pineapple, cheese? Cheese. Cheese, okay. We'll get, we'll get some pizza delivered to Ben because you're, abso- you're absolutely brilliant. And you love your mammy so much, don't you? He's giving me a big cuddle here yeah. now. <laughs> and your mammy loves you, Ben, and you're a great, great boy. Ben, what, what do you hope to be when you grow up? A guard. A guard? Good lad. Well, you'll, you'll bring honour honor and pride and courage to a great, great force. So that's gone. Uh, people are saying, Ben, you are my hero, Ben. I'm them hero. Yeah, OK, you are a hero. Well done. Well done. So look after your mammy. Yeah. Yeah, good. And your granny. And yeah. Yeah. And does your granny bring you treats? Well, that's that's yeah. Would she want to start bringing more? <laughs> she brings some, but she brings some, Ben. I hear, but not enough. Okay, pizza on the way to Ben. When do you want the pizza this evening, or do you want it at the weekend? No. <laughs> and what's what's your nearest pizza shop, Jenny? Um. Oh, I actually don't know what it's called. Oh, oh. Yum Yums. Yum Yums yum in Killaloo is probably the yeah. nearest. <laughs> and we'll get on to Yum Yums in Killaloo. And we'll, de- <laughs> we'll deliver his favourite, his cheese pizza as, as, soon, as soon as possible. Ben, do you want a drink with that pizza? What's your favourite drink? drink? I'm a juice. Oh, I've got that child, that child. Every other child would say Coca-Cola. Or something fizzy, but no, Ben, the superhero, that is Ben, says no, he wants the orange juice diluted with with no sugar. Okay, Ben, <laughs> you're going to be a guard when you grow up. Uh, what's what's your best friend's name, Belle? Who is, uh, ben, who's your friend? Alex. Eric. Okay. Alex. Oh, Alex, Alex, great name. Okay, so Ben and Alex, uh, you can, will you share the pizza with Alex, Ben? Yeah, I want to say yes. Say definitely yes, Joe. Definitely. Definitely yes. <laughs> okay, Alex, you're getting half the pizzas that are going to be delivered this afternoon. Jenny, well done. Well done. A good news Thank story. You so much. A good news story in these awful, awful times. And uh, you have, like, like every, you have a treasure there. Like every five-year-old, you're blessed. You're blessed, he, and uh, and he's blessed. Ben was Ben was a bit um, agitated because he turned six on Saturday and you keep calling him five. Ah, oh, Ben. Ah, oh, no, it's just completely changed everything. He turned <laughs> six on Saturday. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, God, he's over the hill as a superhero. Yeah, I let you stay. I let you stay on as a superhero for another year, Ben. The Taoiseach has been on Leo Varadkar. He said Ben can stay as a superhero for another year. He's given you a special extension because you're so brilliant. Pizza's on the way. Yum yum, Killaloo. I hope you're listening. Pizza's delivered <laughs> ASAP to Jenny. Uh, Jenny Holland and her son Ben uh, from Liveline and send the receipt to the Public Accounts Committee. Mind yourself, Jenny. Mind yourself, Thank Ben. Thank you so much, Joe. We, we love you. We love you. Talk to Joe on 0818 
Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. You heard the ad there for the Dublin Book Festival, which is just incredible, coming up on various locations all over Dublin this weekend. An incredible uh, calendar. Supported, as always, as most things in the arts are in Ireland, supported uh, strongly by RTE. Um, and on Sunday... At the, this is an awful choice for people to have to make. On Sunday, uh, Miriam O'Callaghan and myself are in conversation with two different writers at the same time, in two not in the same place, in two different locations. Miriam is interviewing uh, Stephen Walker, who's written the uh, biography of John Hume, and that's in the RDS Library uh, in Bosbridge there, and that's at 1.30 on uh, Sunday. And uh, in the print works in Dublin Castle, which is just through the uh, old Castle Gate, as you know, there beside Shea Max, and it's about 50 yards up to your left, I'll be interviewing uh, Martin Doyle, who's the literary editor of um, the Irish Times. But he's written uh, personal, uh, intimate, uh, incredible history, but has seen through the microcosm of his home place. Of what it's what happened in his home place, his parish, in the trouble and uh, in the troubles, and uh, that's Martin died. That's at one thirty, and the print works uh, in. So that's RTE uh, supporting uh, the arts. Now I mentioned earlier because a, a caller we had a we had a letter. I read out the letter actually, a part of it when I was talking to Louise. And dear Joe, I wonder if any of your listeners uh, have this problem. My son appears to be governed by the full moon. For approximately one week around the time of the full moon, he is exhausted and he stays in bed a lot. He cannot hold down a job. He also So does the full, how does the full moon affect people? That's, that's what I asked uh, people. Rita Cronin, Rita, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon, Joe, again. You say mm. that the, the full moon affects your sleep. How? Yeah, just a tossing and turning all night and everything, you know. doesn't always happen, but, it, you know, it took me a long time to realise that that's what it was. Years and years, how did, you know. well, then how did, how did you make the connection? I don't know, but just one day I said to myself, well, something going on here that, yeah, it's happening so often and whatever. And then I spoke to other people about it and... Yeah. Well, what did you hear from other people? Do other pe- does it affect other people? Yeah, it does. But again, it's the same story. I don't think they they realise that if they didn't, they don't make connect, the connection. You know, mm. yeah, it's just strange. And if you strange didn't, thing. if you the next full moon, I think is was well, obviously the end of the one to twenty seventh. I think twenty. If yeah, you didn't know it was a full moon, would your sleep, would your restless sleep, tell you? Um, probably yes. Yeah, yeah. and coming up uh, beforehand and. Yeah, so it's a few days before and a few days after, but, you know, it's um, mm-hmm. strange, but I suppose that's this. You well, know? the moon, the moon dictates our tides, doesn't it? It dictates our calendar, effectively, yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't affect you enough to try and do something. No, not you can do something, but the full moon. It doesn't uh, <laughs> affect you enough. To, no, you could take medication to help you sleep or whatever. But it does. Uh, you know, okay, that's my question. Yeah. I'm always aware of it now when I, you know, I know okay. it's coming up. <laughs> you know, you're kind of preparing for it. You say people in nursing homes suffer too. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. I was talking to some friends actually today about it. So, yeah. And I've heard of court cases in other countries, and I can't remember the country now. But um, yeah, 
Yeah, so but it would have affected decisions if you're not, yeah. you know, if you're not. Yeah, that, that has it. You're right there. If people, if people <laughs> in know? power, if people in power yeah. and influence uh, <laughs> make decisions around the full moon, does it affect their Wrong. decision? Wow. Mm, well, that's oh, you're open. You're, you're, you're open. Yeah, yeah, you're it's not everybody, you know, but. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're opening you're opening a can yeah. of a can of moons here, Rita. Ah, Let me bring Nile. Um, stay there, <laughs> stay there, Rita. Joe at yeah. RT. Okay. Nile, Nile Brennan, uh, family oh. bar, the full moon. You say does it have does it have exp- does it have um, effect on your customers? I I think so. I, I was asked this earlier, and at yeah. first I thought that probably. It's just anecdotal, and, and we okay. maybe confirmation bias. We we think that that when something mad happens, we look out and we see a full moon, and lo and behold. But actually, you know, I think about it. Yeah, there's definitely there's a lot more high energy around a full moon, more drinking. But I also mm. notice as well that on the opposite side of it, on the new moon, that there's you know I often think, oh, Pijani, the behavior is very odd. It must be a full moon, and I look out and it's a new moon. So I sort of think that it's okay. both sides of it. And when you when you, when you say the behaviour is very odd, Nile, in what way? Uh, see, now I'm not sure if this is just confirmation bias okay, or not. You, okay. Sometimes you'll notice that there's, I don't know, more dancing, and everybody is has a strange humour. They'll they'll be, mm-hmm. I don't know, higher jinx, more strange jokes, and so on. I, I don't know. And and then you'll you'll look out and say, "Well, sure, it's a full moon. Sure, that's that must explain it." And where's your pub? You needn't give the name if you don't want to. Where's your Where's your pub, Nile? It's Henry Lochran's in Navan, County Mead. Okay, and you in the centre of the town, or? Yes, smack bang okay. in the middle, yeah. And how long are you running it? Uh, I'm, I've only been um, managing now for about, uh, just since COVID, uh, two and a half, three years. But it's been uh, in your family since 1888? Indeed, yeah, it has. Wow, and you were only two years of age at that time. Um, yeah. and I, I would what say my grandfather would also have said, jokingly a lot oh full moon you know like mm-hmm. it's, it's something that is always marked you, you'd always almost always notice it in a pub that the full moon has come and gone yeah almost every day on the program Niall we hear when we're talking about different topics somebody brings up somebody mentions oh like for example the National Widows Association uh, they folded two weeks ago and they said one of the things that hastened their end was COVID so you have all that, but since COVID What's the pub business been like? What's Navin been like? Um, it's a changed business, I would say. I, I, I'm not 100% sure. Kind of different pubs have different things going mm. on and so on. But I, I think that the drinking behaviour has changed somewhat, particularly for young people. In what way? Um, I suppose the pub is not the centre of the universe anymore for, for social outings. There's and there's so many different offerings. And I say the pub, like when yeah. you think of a traditional sense of a pub, but there's there's new types of pubs that have uh, a different offering than what you would expect before. And, and, and people don't pack into them anymore. They go out for a pleasant, a more pleasant experience, I suppose. Mm. And what about young people since COVID? Well, I mean, at first there was a huge surge in, in going out in the nightclubs yeah, had a yeah. huge interest. But I think that, that dropped off somewhat. Um, as as those youngsters return to college and so on, mm-hmm. so we're we're not a college town, so we'd yeah, be yeah, yeah. impacted by that kind of uh, mm. age demographic leaving the town at a certain age. Okay, okay. 
Niall Brennan, thanks indeed. And as, as you say, and I'm, uh, it, it's a dilemma for all of us and, and a lot of t- uh, subjects. Is it is a confirmation bias when you hear these things? PJ McAvoy is a former prison officer, as you all know, General Secretary of POA. Um, what's it like in prison around the full moon, if, if there's any difference at all at all, PJ? Good afternoon, Joe. Sure. Yes, ironically, down through the years, we'll say in the bigger prisons like Mount Jai, Port Leash, Arbor Hill, or whatever, when to be a moon change, when to be a new moon, and particularly at Halloween and times like that, staff that would be on night duty or evening duties would mostly be looking to exchange their duties because there was there was mm-hmm. actually reactions of prisoners at night in the cell for whatever for whatever reason they'd be they'd be they'd be feeling I suppose somewhat afraid to hear different stories and there was stories and even people that I would know or mm-hmm. the good people who were members of staff would be affected would be affected by the change of the moon and would and you, some people so could sorry. you so so would the prison share service be wary of a full moon would they would you well, know say, would, in other words would you know when it's coming would someone say on a Monday oh lads there's a full moon on Friday will you Will you well, take it Joe, easier, watch yourselves or whatever? Joe that's, a very, Joe, that's a very good question. But, of course, the usual system prevails. You don't tell staff. You sort of play this down. Staff shouldn't be engaging in such thoughts and trying to be exchanging duties because you're creating a further problem. But the reality, but the reality, and there was some very, very, very good staff, very caring staff, oh, staff so, who had responsibility, yeah, you know, about, about prisoners. And it was, a great, it was a great time, actually, in, in the prison service. And there was a great relationship with staff and prisoners because, after all, prisoners are human beings like all of us. Of course, yeah. But the point you're asking and the point I I would qualify is that there was always a remarkable, a remarkable change in the mood of prisoners. And, and, and staff, by the way. But was a change, PJ, for the better or for the worse or just there was a difference? Uh, no, Niall was saying seemed, people seem to be more hyper, on my word. Absolutely, absolutely, Joe, absolutely. Okay. And, uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and it also creates situations that people can hurt themselves. That was the biggest fear, because right. staff on Joey at night, you know, and this would be occurring, they also had a, an additional concern, you know, if people cut themselves and had to go open cells and get people out and try to get people in. It was, and it, I, I'd imagine still I'm not that familiar with what's happening, but these these problems did exist, and I'm sure they still exist to this day, Joe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, PJ. Good. I mean, good, good, good to hear you and fine fettle. Rachel, Rachel, hey, uh, you Joe, contact hey. us no eight one eight seven one five eight one five. You were listening to that piece I read out from that woman about her son on the full moon. Yeah, I laughed when I heard you reading it. Why? I laughed because I could actually identify you with it. Um, two of my kids, they're 13, 12 and thirteen now. Yeah. They're both on the spectrum, but they have been reacting to the moon since, as, honestly, as long as I can remember. Um, so it's crazy. Like, one will get extremely hyperactive, won't sleep. Okay. He never stops. And the other gets extremely lethargic, doesn't want to eat anything, doesn't want to see anyone, doesn't want to talk to anyone. They They both react from it really, really different. But I've also found out since the kids, since having the two younger kids, uh, and this it happens a lot with kids on the spectrum, yeah, like okay. a kids with yeah. I don't know if it's just that kind of area. I don't think it is. But and would you, I Rachel? Always, would you check yeah. in the calendar when the next full moon is due? I always know. No, do you know what? I, I get a notification from it. Um, 
I try not like a nap thing in a sense, you but I don't even need to see the notification. I can tell within a day. Wow. It, it usually happens, say, about four or five days before the full moon. And then I, the day the full moon comes out, it's like it's kind of hit its peak. And then after the full moon is gone, they're just mm. back to themselves. And can you do anything? Can you? No. No, okay. I don't think you can. I You're just, just have okay. to kind of, you, you got, you've kind got, of get used to it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it really does affect him. Like with my son, now I can tell you, he will never sleep at a sun or a full moon. Never. Like I've often went two, three days, and he would he would have no sleep, and he would be he would go, 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 go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Patricia. Yeah. Well, mind yourself, and I know you love you love your boys and and look after yourself. At the next full moon is uh, in about two weeks. Patricia McNabb, Patricia. Yes, Joe. You're a retired psychotherapist. Yeah, but don't hold that against me. Yeah, but re- psychotherapists never retire. Oh, yes, we you're do. Skilled. Oh, yes, we you're do. Skilled. I'm, you're skilled. You're I'm, st- are you okay? I'm enjoying my grandchildren saying. and my ah, freedom. Okay. okay. Um, Ta- tell so us the, the moon, I, the moon, in, the moon. Yeah. I worked in a psychiatric hospital as a student, and I remember the impact of the moon cycle on the patients. But also, if you remember... The moon influences the tides, and we're 70% water. Okay. So, like, yeah, there's a pull, and the moon is a huge influence. Yeah, but we're not 70% salt water, are we? It doesn't have to be salty, Joe. And did you notice? Did you notice? Did you notice? I I certainly, when I worked in that hospital abroad, um, I was very struck by the influence of the moon. And, and if, if you watch it around, it thinks, that's where the term lunatic came from, from the lunar oh, influence. Oh, the moon, yeah, Luna. The moon. Yeah. And you say you walked as so, a psychiatrist and you'd notice a difference. What was the difference? People would become more agitated, more... Oh, en- and more, more volatile. Much more volatile. Okay. Mm. But, but is there anything you could do about it, apart from being able to predict it, which, which is a help? No, no, no. <laughs> Joe... As I say, I'm retired. Okay. I uh, no, I do not know how to manage the effect of the moon but you, on people. But there is an effect but, of a full moon. Oh yeah, well as I say, if it influences the tides. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a huge power. That t- the moon brings the tides in and out globally. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. That's some strength. That's some power. All right. Okay, Patricia. Yeah, absolutely. Patricia. Okay, Mac- thanks, Ma- Joe. Grandmother and retired psychotherapist. Thank you so much, Joe with RT.ie five one double five one. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Sandra Nelson, the, the full moon effect, and more people coming. The full moon. Hello, Joe. How are you? You're an artist, healer, and celebrant. Do you believe that yes. the full moon makes a difference? You've heard the people saying energy changes, some lethargic, some hyper... Absolutely. I've been listening to uh, Rita and Niall and also PJ and Rachel and Patricia's perspectives and well done you on giving your listeners a broader perspective on the moon because it really does have an impact. You know, poets and artists and Mm -hmm. writers have been speaking about the mystery of the moon for many, many decades and um, 
concurring with what Patricia has spoken and what your other uh, speakers have have touched on is that we are sixty to seventy percent water. I think I think uh, Patricia said seventy percent water, and so of course there is a the moon is closer to the Earth. So there's a big magnetic pull when there is the shifts of the tides. Mm. And I think when there's a full moon, it's illuminating. It's very be- it can be very, very beautiful yeah, as true. well to look at. And it's a t- it can be a time of reflection. So similar to Rachel's children mm-hmm. and to your a reader who sent the letter. And I also now, get quite 50, tired. Her son is 50 years of age. But it it can affect anybody, it, it, yeah. Oh, I, it is, it's, we're all very unique and we go through cycles and the moon is a cycle. Um, and so it can have an effect on people at different times, at different stages yeah. of their age and their life. Yeah. And can, so. apart from knowing it or believing it, can, can people do anything about it? I just realise it's... Absolutely. You, well... I would be curious. Um, the tiredness I have, in my experience, and it's only one, it's only one view, is that people who are quite tired around the moon are very much empathic, so they're really sensitive, okay. and they will maybe absorb um, sort of energy and take mm. more time to process feelings and emotions from being in social situations or externally uh, through work, even through travelling to work. So empaths are real sensitive souls and they pick up an awful lot from uh, the environment and from other people. Okay. And so that's, that's okay yeah. as long as you know how to sort of cleanse. So you can use the moon, the full moon, as a time of nurturing for your soul and for your well-being. Cleanse your home, declutter, use the fact that the moon is illuminating all that's not wanted, all that's heavy in your life, okay. and allow it to go. You know, let's, depending on the age. Yeah, of course. Well, well, let's, let's talk to a, well, let's talk to a primary school teacher, Colin McDonagher. Colin is in Galway. Colin, does the full moon, do, do you notice a change in behaviour in your class? Uh, not to myself personally, but I do find, I, I, I take children in other classes and I take small groups and full classes from time to time as well. And there's, a, there's certainly a few days of the month where there's, it's more giddy and there's more kind of, I don't know, fidgetiness or something. <laughs> and um, you know it's there and you just kind of have to work around it and then make the work tasks a little bit shorter. But there, but, but there is a difference. Giddy, giddier, oh, hard oh, to oh, settle, Mark, fidgety. Not, not in all, some children more than others, yeah, more than others but okay. in a group dynamic, there certainly is a difference. But as that lady just said, very interesting talk she had there too about the um, the whole lunacy, lunatic asylum, yeah, yeah, the, the lunar the, cycle. The, it's all the, from it. that's that's not, that's not new. It's been around since the Roman time. You know, it's been it's been recognised. Okay, Alwyn, I'll go to you, but I've I've only a minute. And have Alwyn, you you organise full moon ceremonies. What, what, what do you believe is the importance of the full moon, please? With the full moon, um, well, like the other lady just mentioned, it's a time of fullness and completion. It's a time when things are highlight, highlighted and illuminated. So the moon is always full, but it's our vantage point that we're seeing mm-hmm. it when the sun is shining its full light upon it. So I suppose it's illuminating our internal world and our subconscious. So it's allowing things to come up to the surface. Okay. So when we create kind of women's circles or circles mm-hmm. around the full moon we're creating spaces for people to really sit with themselves and be in a state of receptivity and allowing what's already inside to come up to the surface and when you hear a phrase because all of them like the harvest moon does that have a meaning 
Well, the harvest moon, so, so the names of the moons would be linked to the agricultural, um, okay. how, we, how we harvest things. So at Lunasa, the moon was full so that people had more light to be able to bring in the harvest. Ah, you know, we've the, yeah, mo- yeah, we've the mead moon when well, they mead also, would have been created. Would, so I suspect from what people, they'd also be more energised around the full moon. Absolutely. Like I, yeah. I was talking to okay. somebody who's a farmer and he went to his granny and he said, I haven't been able to sleep for the last couple of nights. And should, of course not, like literally you're tuning into the cycles of how people always would have been. So they had the extra energy and communities okay. would have come together to bring in the harvest. OK, Alwyn, good to meet him. All good. Uh, thanks, Alwyn. Sandra, oh, sure. Colin. So, um, Mark McGraws on sound, John Riley's uh, researcher, producer, Annette Egan. Ray Darcy is next. 0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.